Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture and pray with you this morning in St. John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 10. The namesake verse of our church says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I want to preach to you this morning in a sermon titled, Live Life on Purpose. Say purpose. Pray with me. God, thank you for coming so that we could have life. Thank you for making your life available to us. Thank you for abundance, God. I pray now in Jesus' name that you would anoint me to say only those things that would honor you. Teach us what you'd have us to know is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Live life on purpose. I want you to get purpose in your mind. Because I know that life happens whether we pay attention or not. I know that days and weeks and months and years and decades keep rolling past us whether we're doing anything purposeful with our life or not. And we need to take advantage of every day. We need to live every day on purpose. Look at somebody say live on purpose. I want everybody to know I love being a Christian. I do. I love being a Christian. I love everything about Christianity. Uh, Being saved is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. If you are bored in your religion, I recommend you trade that in for salvation. If, If you're not excited in your relationship with God, I recommend that you repent of your sins and let God be God in your life. Have his way in your life. If you are not thrilled and just having the greatest party of your life, I recommend that you trade in your way for his way and let him fill you with his spirit so you can find out that Christianity is not boring, it's not hard, it's not difficult, it's not troublesome, it's not burdensome, it's it's not grief. It is abundant life like nothing else. Jesus said, that the thief comes to do three things, to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is the devil, and he has a purpose against us. God is being where where Jesus said, I came, Jesus came because he has a purpose for us. So there's 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 an enemy with a purpose, and there is God with a purpose. The enemy's purpose, the thief's purpose, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I promise you this, if you don't actively engage in God as your personal Savior, if you don't actively engage in your spirituality and your relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to have stuff stolen from you. Dreams will be stolen from you. Time will be stolen from you. Hope will be stolen from you. You're going to have things that are killed off. Your your purpose is going to be killed off. Your zest for life is going to be killed off. Your dreams are going to be killed off. And you're going to have things that are destroyed in your life that you will never get back. Do not let the thief get to you. Don't let the thief get to you. Hide behind the Lord Jesus Christ. Hide in his glorious life, hide in his purpose. He said, I came. Now, we, we're talking about having a life lived on purpose. People have talk a lot about their purpose, their company's purpose, their organizational purpose statement. Jesus put forth what his purpose is. He said, I came that they might have life. Now, we study the Bible at Abundant Life exclusively. It's the only book that we study for preaching, for teaching, for instruction, in all of life's purposes, it is the, the special, unique, and un, infallible word of God that God has given to us. And we know that typically when the Bible says we, it's talking to who? It says they, it's talking to who? It's typically, it's usually, Jesus said, I'm come, that they, this they is for everybody. I, I'm, I'm a we right now, but I was a they. Anybody 
follow me on that. I, I'm a we right now. Uh, we are in Christ. They are outside. I used to be a they. Uh, some of y'all don't know that you were a they, but everybody was a they at some time. You need to become a we. And here's how you become a we, by believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and letting him give you life. But not just life. Life more abundantly and abundant life. And we talked about it a lot in explaining how the name of our church came to be. But I'm convinced that too many people are focused only on life in heaven and, and content to struggle now. But that's not what Jesus came for. Jesus came to give us life twice. Say twice. Twi two different aspects of life, two different realms of life. Uh, uh, eternal life, I've come that they may have life. That's life in eternity. That's heaven. That's in the future. But there's also good news for now. And here's the deal. Too many church folk only look forward to what has to come in eternity. And that can become pie in the sky and a sweet by and by when what we really need is help in the nasty now and now. We need help for today. We need strength for today. And Jesus said not only... Did he come so we could have life, but he wants us to have an abundant quality of life now. I know so many people that their real testimony is, I'm just holding on to the end. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, that's awesome, but do it with abundance. Do it with joy. Do it dominating. Do, do it raising up a standard. Do it in a way where you can tell people, Come get what I've got, because if all you are is busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted, if all you are is gloom, despair, and agony on me, if all you are is negative and bitter and holding on, that nobody wants that. You can't attract anybody to the message of Jesus Christ if you look like you've been sucking on lemons and prunes all week long. You, 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 you're not properly representing the, the Lord if your life is not attracting other people. Listen, Jesus engaged. Richard and I were talking last night at, at the, at the cook-off. Jesus drew people to him. He, he was attractive to people, not, not physically. The Bible says there was nothing about his physical form that would cause anybody to say, oh, wow, check that out. But his, his life, he drew people to him because he loved people, he engaged people, and listen, he had something that they realized they didn't have. When lost people come to church, they ought to see something that they realize they don't have. They ought to be sitting back thinking, oh, they're faking all that. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't nobody, and all that, yeah, they're faking. All. They, they ought to believe in their heart that somebody's faking something because it's so foreign to them. Mm. Now, so now, now what, what, what did I just say about everybody who thought this morning somebody was faking something? Because you, you need real salvation. You ought to see something in church that you want that you know you don't have. And this is the problem with American churches in 2018, really in the last 50 years. Americanized churches have fought so hard for membership, want to build mega churches because they found out pastors could become millionaires off the backs of poor people in church. Amen? Listen, I haven't given no money to anybody uh, flying around in a private jet. Hallelujah. Uh, Aristotle Onassis, one time the richest man in the world, he said never feel sorry for anybody who owns their own jet. They're crying poor mouth beg begging for money. But churches decided that they could get rich and, and they, they could fill their pockets full of money if they could just get more members to come in. So they started using worldly means to attract people. They started lowering down the standards. They realized, hey, you know, uh, a lot of these sinners have money, and we sure could use some money, so let's don't preach against sin. Well, uh, they decided, you know, a lot of these people that don't really love Jesus like to come to um charitable outreaches they like to do nice things they love random acts of kindness you can get a bunch of lost people to go hand out water bottles at the local soccer game with your church name on it because that's just nice and fun and friendly but can you get anybody to open up their mouth and say Jesus is the only way to heaven and you must be saved See, now that right there, that's a rock of offense and a stumbling block. But the Bible says 
that the scripture is a rock. And if you fall on it, it's going to bruise you a little bit. But if you don't fall on it, it's going to fall on you and crush you. I'm going to tell you this, I'd rather be bruised than crushed. Church is just trying to drag people in any kind of way. Church is trying to drag people in, lowering standards, accepting everything, being politically correct. I want to tell you something. Jesus is not politically correct. I saw somebody put something awesome on their social media this past week about, they told the truth about how churches have lowered standards and people don't want to hear the truth and people aren't living anything. And somebody came firing back at them and said, it's because of all the mean Christians' fault. I'm like, why don't you just show, putting your bitterness on display for the whole world? Don't be bitter. If you're bitter against the church, if you're bitter against Christianity, I want to recommend something to you. Holy Ghost salvation. Get saved for real. Hey, listen, it might still needle you a little bit. It might still bother you when people come into church, act crazy and flaky. But if you have real salvation, you don't care what pastor falls. You don't care what church member backstabs you. You don't care what falls apart and what doesn't fall apart. You know this is the only life there is for me, and I'm going to be saved until I get to heaven. I love Jesus. I love salvation. There's nothing like it in the whole world, and I know that God wants us to have an abundant life. Not a life that we think would be great, but a life that he knows is great. See, church is dumbing down the standard too much in this generation. Church is making people think, oh, you can have both. I've talked about this theory of both a lot in private counseling sessions. Churches are teaching that you can have the world and salvation. That is not true. That is nowhere found in, in the scripture. That is nowhere found in the history of the apostles and the prophets. This, this generation teaching that you can be worldly and Christian. That the, the Bible says if you don't put a difference between the unholy and the holy, God will curse and condemn you. So we got to put a difference between the holy and the unholy. But we need to realize that God's word is true. And he said, listen to who God says is really happy, who's really living a joy-filled life. Those who obey the law. Do you re Hey, listen, I, feel so, I felt so good the other day. I was riding down the road, and sometimes I, uh, I, it, go, it can go a different way. But I was riding down the road, and I saw this dude. Fleming Island, man, this dude standing, leaning on a tree. I don't know how I didn't see him. I, I, I'm a pretty observant dude. This dude leaning on a tree, sneaking out with a radar gun, Mr. C. He was leaning into the tree like this, and then when he saw cars coming, he'd step one step out and point that, and I'm thinking, oh. It's hard keeping all this together. Thank you. I haven't had a ticket. God's having truth. I have not had a ticket since 1995. And this dude leaned out, wham, right down that long road going to the water back there on Lake Shore Drive. Bam. And I'm like, oh, man. I looked down. Speed limit was 35. I, I, well, I looked at my heads up dash display. I was doing 28. I, if I, I started to slam on brakes and do a dance, I thought I would strip down naked in this road and do a happy dance for this dude. He thought he had me. Oh, what are you pointing that gun at me for, man? I'm 28 and 35. What am I telling you? I was happy to be obeying the law. It was doing good by me. Last Thursday, I'm not mad about it. Listen, you need to find some joy. You need to find some abundant life. You need to find some purpose. We've talked about purpose a lot in our church. Uh, we've said the primary purpose of our church is to love God and to love people. I wonder how you're doing on that scale. How are you doing in your relationship with God? Are, are you actively in love with God? Are you actively feeling, receiving, identifying, recognizing his love for you? And how about with people? Are, are you doing anything? Because I've met some people who claim to be Christians mean as a devil. They, they, uh, I, I like what one pastor said. They need to change the sign in their foyer. 
uh, a, lot, a lot of these churches, especially uh, neo-Pentecostal churches, have signs in their foyer that say, we believe in the uh, baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. He said, they need to change that to we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking to each other. <laughs> now, I do believe in speaking in tongues. But you tell me you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you've spoken tongues in 1975, but you're mean to everybody you meet. I don't believe you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Because God wants to change us. Amen. God wants us to experience life on a different level. If, you're, if what you call your Christian experience, if what you call salvation has not taken you to a different level all the way around, then you don't have biblical salvation. I urge you to get it. We're reading the book of Acts this month, and I hope that you'll spend some time in the book of Acts and study the history of the first century church and what God was doing after the resurrection of Christ. And I, when, I, when I came to Acts chapter 2 this month, I thought, man, we need to revisit these five purposes seen in Acts chapter 2. We've talked about, five, listen, Rick Warren made seven bazillion dollars writing a bunch of different books of talking about the five purposes of the church, the five purposes of your life, the five purposes of your marriage, your youth ministry, uh, your ingrown toenail, and everything else. But he pulled these five purposes, five things that we should be concentrating our lives on right out of Acts chapter 2. And we, I want to talk to, the, to you guys about these five things this morning, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, worship, and evangelism. I want you to look on the screen at these words because you need to be familiar with what the book's talking about when it comes to discipleship, fellowship, ministry, worship, and evangelism. Because the first church in the book of Acts, the first century church, concentrated on these five things, and they had favor with God, they had favor with people, God blessed them, and if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. And every one of us needs life to get better, say better. Now, if you want it to get better, you got to what? You got to do better. We got to do better in discipleship. We got to do better in fellowship. We got to do better in ministry. We got to do better in worship. We got to do better in evangelism. Now, you can't get this type of preaching at the average church in 2018 because they're not telling us what we need to do better at. They're just patting us on our backs on our way to hell. Friend, God loves you, and he's so proud of you, and we're just so glad you came to Lakewood today. Well, I didn't come to Lakewood today because it's too far to walk to Houston, Texas. And I don't want to sit there and listen to somebody tell me how proud of God, how proud of me God is in my foolishness. I want somebody to tell me the truth. Anybody want to hear the truth this morning? The truth is we need to do better. And the truth is we can do better. All of us can because the Bible tells us that God wants us to go from glory to glory. From one level of his glory to a next level of his glory. And we need to see, we need to evaluate. You ain't going to get this preaching everywhere because the man who talked, the man who wrote the book, Purpose Driven Church, I went out to his church, spent a week out there, and one of the things he said, don't ever try to get people to be introspective. Don't make them evaluate the situation because they'll leave church feeling bad and they won't give all their money. I'm thinking, well, they ain't giving all their money anyway. I may as well tell them the truth. And it, no matter what they're doing, feel bad, feel good, give money, don't give money, I've got to stand accountable to teach the truth of this book. So I know we can do better, and I know that if you love the Lord, you want to do better. Can somebody say amen? I know if you love the Lord and you understand that God is your heavenly Father, that you have a desire to please your Father. So let's look at these five things this morning. We, we're going to see them right in the scripture, first we're going to look at discipleship. And I put these in the order that they've come in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And follow along as I read these verses. Acts 2, 42, the Bible says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. Verse 43 says, A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now we have a lot of talk from TV preachers about signs and wonders, but we don't have a lot of talk from TV preachers about discipleship because signs and wonders are fun to watch and require no effort on the church members part. But discipleship is a booger bear. 
Do anybody want to take a guess at the root word of discipleship? Both, everybody that said it, that I heard said it right, because it was two different things. The root word of this word is disciple, and the root word of disciple is what? Discipline. People don't like discipline. People, let's, people, the people that don't like discipline are the people who've never been disciplined long enough at anything to get a reward. I, I use myself. Uh, I am not a big fan of the gym. You can look at me and tell that. I am not mad about it. My body's built for comfort, not for speed. I'm good on the couch. You can't pull a hammy on the couch unless you jump up too fast between commercials trying to grab a Cheeto. It happens. You know, get off the couch slow. You ain't, that, you ain't all that. But if I, listen, if me or anybody in here <laughs> that, that ain't a regular gym-going person, if some of us non-gym-going folk decided we're going to hit it tomorrow, and some, look, don't make that your resolution for New Year's. Come on now. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go out and spend gym membership money and you won't walk around your block. That's for free. Amen? But if we decided we're going to go to the gym tomorrow, 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m., going to get a good start on it, and we're just going to hit that iron hard. We're going to work out with steel hard. We're going to go in there like, like Captain Steroids, and we're going to just, it's just going to be uh, stacking plates and lifting weights. We're going to go in and get in. And, and You know, when we left the gym, all we would have would be sweat, exhaustion, tired, hurting muscles. But that's not nearly half the fun. The, the rest of that fun's going to come in the next day. You know? Because we 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 we're gonna do we're gonna do upper body workout on Monday. We're gonna hit some biceps. We're gonna hit some chest. And and by Tuesday, so if I walk around and pinch you right there, you're just gonna collapse all the way down to the ground. You're not even gonna be able to eat cereal on Tuesday, because this thing's gonna feel like somebody's just driving a railroad spike through it. And you know what that's gonna do to our desire to to stack plates and lift weights. I can't be disciplined to that because that, listen, the reason why is because I'm not willing to be disciplined to it long enough for the good time to come in. Do you understand that? Now, some of y'all that are gym people, some of y'all, Deacon Dixon and all his muscles, he understands that if, if if you work through, amen, if you work through that pain, that burning, that, 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 that hard feeling, that eventually you're going to see good results. See, but you got to figure out something to be disciplined to long enough. Say long enough. When it comes to discipleship in Christ, it's not an overnight deal. People want to grow overnight. People want to just just know everything about the Bible overnight. It doesn't happen like that. Uh, I like what one pastor said. You can either be a mushroom or an oak tree. A mushroom props up overnight, fully developed. An oak tree takes hundreds of years to grow. Uh, people want that fast growth, but that mushroom gets kicked over, easy dies, don't come back. That oak tree survived a hurricane. You, you need to be uh, willing to put the time in for discipleship. Put verse 42 back on the screen for me, Deacon. All the believers. How many of the believers? Now, the, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, comma. So that's cause for pause. You need to read the Bible one phrase at a time. Bite-sized pieces. Get it down on the inside of you so you can digest it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, notice what I don't see here. I don't see all of the believers receive follow-up calls and begs to show up to church, to Bible study, to men's group, and to Wings Lady Night, uh, Ladies Bible Study. I don't see that. I don't see all the believers were, were patted on the back and kissed on the neck by the pastor at the back door while he politicked and shook hand and kissed babies and begged people to come back next service. No, I don't see that. Here's what happens to real saved folk who want all that God has for them. They devoted themselves. No begging needed. I, I, my, my sisters heard this speech uh, a thousand times. When I first got saved, they never had to send me no card, no letter asking me, where was I? We missed you in church on Sunday because I was there more than they were there. 
They didn't have to beg me and ask me to come get involved in, in uh, singles ministry because I was single and I was about ministry. So I was there. Listen, you need to be devoted. Say devoted. And the thing that they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. This is discipleship. You need to get involved in discipleship. Too many people out there thinking, well, I don't need nobody to teach me. God teaches me. Well, praise the Lord. God will teach you. But the Bible also says that God has given us pastors and teachers to help us grow, to edify and nurture us, and to build us up and strengthen us. So you need, I'm talking about five things you need to get serious about this morning. Discipleship is one of those things. One, one of the best things I believe you can do if you want to get serious about discipleship, if, you're, if your schedule allows you to, get out here on Wednesday night. Get out here on Wednesday night. I have repented this week. And I, I am going to, uh, I, I, a miracle is going to happen this Wednesday night. I want you all to see it. I am going to stop in mid-breath and close in prayer at 8.15. I don't care if I'm in the middle of a sentence. I am going to shut it down at 8.15 because I've been, I've been going on and on and long and long and dragging it on. And school's been back in for two nine weeks already. And I keep saying we're going to shorten this down because kids are back in school. I want you to come out, get involved in discipleship. Listen, if I don't close by 816, get up and walk out. You don't even have to do this. We're not that kind of church. I never understood why when they bend over do their knees go out. Get involved in Bible study. All of us need to grow in the word. Wednesday night, we slow it down. We do massive Bible study. We, it's a great investment in discipleship. I want you to come out. Second purpose is fellowship. Say fellowship. In verse 44 of Acts 2, the Bible says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. This is talking about fellowship. All the believers met together. Now, so if all, how many believers met together? If all the believers met together, what does that say about the people that didn't meet with us? <laughs> oh, man, that'll make a Presbyterian speak in tongues. <laughs> I am done with people saying, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Yes, you do. Now, you may go to heaven without going to church, but the word Christian means to live like Christ. To follow the life and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Bible says it was his custom to be in church every day. So you have to go to church uh, if you really want all that God has for you. All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything that they had. I want you to know you need to get involved in fellowship. I thank God for you coming to church. But some people Sunday come to meeting, folks. Some people just going to come on Sunday morning. I thank God for you coming only on Sunday morning, but grow beyond that. Invest in some fellowship. Come out to some stuff. We laughed last night. We shoved hot dogs and chili dogs down our throat. We, we tasted chili. We drank a 1,000 Dr. Peppers till I left feeling bloated. I mean, <laughs> other than the bloated, it was a good time. We had people from the community walk up on us that we were able to fellowship with, get to know, talk to. I want you to start coming out to something. Don't just let these announcements. I don't like reading announcements. Don't let it just be something that I don't like doing. Let it be information that you grab hold of. Put down on your calendar when uh, man up is put down on your calendar when wings ladies bible study is put down the the twas the sunday night before christmas on your calendar because if all you do is come in and leave then you're never going to experience all that god has for you people want people say pastor what we need is holy ghost power we need to get back to pentecost we need a pentecost experience well they they had a pentecost experience in, in this chapter of Scripture in the first century church, but they were willing to pay the price. See, people want Pentecost, but they won't pay the cost of Pentecost. They, they, they want Holy Ghost power, but they just want to sit back and get it their way. There's some things that we need to do, say do. 
so that we can have all that God has for us. First century church had it going on. They, they had signs, wonders, miracles. They had unity. They had favor with God, favor with people. They were happy. They were joyful. They had abundant life because of the things that they were doing. They met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. Fellowship is about getting your life involved with a group of other people. Fellowship is about hanging out, doing life together. I, I enjoy hanging out. I, I enjoy cards night. I enjoy, I, I love our, our chili cook-off night. Um, and, and all the things that we do here is an opportunity for fellowship. And you need to get more heavily invested in fellowship. The third purpose that we see here is ministry. Say ministry. In verse 45, li listen to how wide open these people were. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, hold on to your checkbooks. Hold on to the deed to your, your property. I'm, I'm not saying that we need to come and sell our property. We're, we're not starting from the ground up. Now, if we had nowhere to meet, if we didn't have a roof over our head, if we didn't have chairs and a sound system, I'd be up here saying, we all need to, we all need to downsize, we all need to move into smaller homes so we can buy a place for, that we can meet, that we can gather together on the Lord's Day and, and start impacting a community. I'm not saying that we have to sell all of our property and possessions uh, and share the money with those in need. What I am saying is we need to meet the need. That's what ministry is, meeting needs. Here's the sad reality for you stingy folk out there. It takes money to do ministry. It takes, listen, the people that we bless in this community, they, they, they come, for, listen, it ain't no different now than it was 2,000 years ago. Thousands and thousands of people showed up for the fishes and loaves. They came for the stuff. By the time Jesus really started teaching the truth about his father's kingdom and what it took to have eternal life, there was only 120 of them left. Okay? We, we, we've got to provide ministry to reach the hearts of men, women, and boys and girls for Jesus Christ. That takes money, but it also takes time commitment. It also takes some effort. It, it, it takes what the old church calls your time, your tithe, and your talent. You, you got to give of all these things because there are needs that have to be met. Are you meeting? What If I went around right now, if I, if I started with, with, with Elder Jimmy and, and, and Nancy and walked all the way around the room to Alfred in the back, and I said, tell me on mic, tell the whole church, what ministry are you involved in? I wonder what your answer would be. Now, if you're new to the church, you're just getting your feet wet, you, you haven't been around, or maybe you're just starting to come back and you're trying to figure it out, take your time. But get there somehow, amen? Find some kind of way to get involved. It does not have to. Ministry is done less in the pulpit than it's done in the street. There's more ministry happening in the marketplace than there's happening in the pulpit place 20 to 1. We, there's more ministry going on. We have, we're impacting more people in two hours on Saturday than we're impacting on two and a half hours on Sunday. We, we are impacting this community all week long. Why? Because we are meeting needs. Now, if you have needs, you need to trust God to meet your needs. And sometimes God will use people. I told you all before, if you know somebody that you want to help and they need $3 to get, get to work tomorrow so they can pick up their check, they just need a gallon and a half of gas, uh, don't send them, don't, you don't have to send them to the church to get $3 if you have $3. Hello, does the battery die again? Nobody's hearing me? We all need to be involved in ministry. That's one of the tenets of our new membership class, that every member is a minister. God saved you so you could get involved in representing him and helping meet needs everywhere you go. I tell you all the easiest one. I've been saying it for years. I've seen a, I saw a church this past week uh, promoting their smiles ministry. And the person that started the smiles ministry at their church, guess what church they left mad, bitter, upset, and, 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 and drug off here. 
I've been promoting Smiles Ministry from day one here. If you don't want to get involved in food and clothing, if you don't want to get involved in praise and worship, if you don't want to get involved helping the youth, helping the children, helping the babies, if you don't want to get involved in hospitality, if you don't want to get involved in inreach and outreach, then just get involved in a Smiles Ministry. Well, what is that, Pastor? When you come to church and you see people, show some tea. I ain't trying to cheese all up in front of people, show my teethers. I didn't ask you all that. <laughs> Smile at somebody. I have in my credenza not only death threats, but I have letters of, of great value to me. I, I have a letter of a young woman who uh, wrote a letter. She came to church. She left a suicide note at home, came to church, was going to go to church one last time, Go already wrote the note out to her mother, was going to kill herself, grown woman. To, to her older mother, obviously, well advanced in years, was going to go home and commit suicide. Somebody, if I called the man's name, a lot of y'all would know the, 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 the man, that all he did is walked up, smiled, shook her hand, and said, good to see you in church. And she said, I decided I'd try one more day on this planet. She's still alive today, and I give God praise for people who will smile. You don't know what somebody's going through. You don't know the hell of a week somebody had. You don't know if somebody's barely holding on. Listen, I've been holding on by a thin thread for a long time. Y'all better smile at me. I, I tell y'all, I thank God for members that make pastoring easy. Because that, man, some of y'all just trying to cut that last. Let's just see him fall off the cliff. Hey, I already fell off the cliff. Jesus picked me up. Got to get involved in ministry. The fourth thing is worship. Say worship. Let's look at verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day, period. Now, see, this is where I took it. Yeah, some of y'all know where I'm going. When we started, when, I, when uh, Gail and I started this church, we were having church six days a week, six days a week. It was a lot of discipleship. It was a lot of training. It was a lot of door-to-door -door visitation. It was Bible outreach. We had a program where we were passing out Bibles to every home in the community, and we gathered six days a week. And somebody finally asked me, Pastor, why do no, no other church has church six days a week? Why do we have to have church six days a week? Anybody remember what I told you what I told them? Because we're too lazy to come seven days a week. What, what, what did they do? What, what, what did the early church? They gathered together at the temple each day. Now, here's what's crazy. The house church movement uses this passage of Scripture to teach that you shouldn't meet in a building. You should meet house to house. This verse says they worshiped together at the temple each day. They broke bread in their home. Oh, see, they had church in their home. Read the verse. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and then they went, hung out, watched football, saw Army beat Navy again. <laughs> now, I have to say that because uh, Navy won uh, uh, 15 years in, 14 years in a row prior to the last three years. <laughs> I was so blown away because I was up at the chili cook-off last night. I was Googling. I'm like, uh, I got to check this Army-Navy score, see, see what's going on. I was blown away to find out that this is the first time in the history of Army-Navy that Army has won the Commander-in-Chief trophy back-to-back. -back. I'm like, wow, they must have been raggedy for a long time. Uh, the 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 three uh, branches of uh, academics, the Army, Navy, and Air Force, they battle it out. Whichever one has the best record in football gets the Commander-in-Chief trophy. But Army and Navy, how do we get on Army and Navy? Oh, because they broke bread. They hung out. They 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 went to each other's houses. They played tunk, bid with spade, domino. They they went. They played Yahtzee and Jenga. They they hung out together uh, with glad and sincere hearts. How cool would it be if we could just get a group of people to hang out with glad hearts? Glad. See, that's the people's last ones to leave. You know, they're just like, I just love being here, man. Uh, you can't drive me out of here. Don't lock the gate yet. I'm not done hanging out. Just glad to be in the number. See, church has tried to present itself as something that it's not. Church today, these mega churches, these large churches begging for members, politicking and placating members, never saying anything, just 
uh, real, to, real enough to cause them to think about changing their life. They, they, they just want people to be there. They, they just want people to show up. They're, they're claiming that they're going to fix every problem in your life when the reality is the one thing promised to us in salvation is, are you ready? This is going to be deep and profound. The one thing promised to us in salvation is salvation. None of this come, come, come send a tithe right now. God going to give you double for your trouble. I, I speak, I, I, I speak uh, Holy Ghost supernatural debt reduction. That phrase not in the Bible nowhere. They're promising stuff that's not even real, not legitimate, not happening around the world. Listen, if the message that someone is preaching won't work in Afghanistan and Gainesville and Tallahassee, it ain't a real message. Because the gospel message is real for everybody, and the truth's the truth for everybody. The Bible's of no private interpretation. It says these people promising stuff that God never meant for you to get focused on. Now, I believe this. You get saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. You let God's will be higher for you than your will. God's going to give you a lot of cool stuff. There's lots of blessings. But we need to get off of what can God do for me and realize, listen, if he lets me into heaven, I'm good with that. I'm just glad to be in the number. The old church knew that. The old church knew. I'm just, oh, I just want to be in that number. Now it's like, well, what kind of youth programs do they have? Well, I, I, I just want to know, what, 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 what do they offer for the single? I told y'all, that one church, I looked, they had a small group directory this thick. It was incredible, man. They had groups for every sport team fan. Small group for uh, New York Yankees fans. I'm like, yeah, like the Yankees need another fan. Uh, most dominant team in sports history. But I'm all right with that. I ain't hating it because I'm like, well, you know, I can see a bunch of you know, New York Yankee fans getting together, uh, you know, talking about the greatness of Derek Jeter and how they hate that he, you know, trashed their whole team and uh, went to Miami and, and, and abandoned them. But I, when I got down to the back of that book and I saw a small group for single women with cats, I was through dealing. <laughs> Y'all done went in too hard now. Y'all just trying to suck up to everybody. Single women with cats. Listen, if you're a single woman with cats, I got a recommendation for you. Get rid of them cats. You might catch a dude. <laughs> now, if you want to stay single, cat up. Get, it, get your six of them. Let the whole spouse smell like ammonia. Amen. We should have a desire to worship God, not for stuff. Not, we should have a desire to come to church and worship God, not for programs, for parking, for people. We should come to church to worship God because he's worthy and he saved our soul on Calvary. They worship together at the temple each day. You really want all God has for you? You have to be regular in worship. Verse 47 says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. There was worship going on in the first century church. There was praise going on in the first century church. These are the purposes of our life. These are things that we need to commit to and to commit to getting better. The fifth purpose is evangelism. Say evangelism. Verse 47 says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You do not have to get saved in a church service, but you can. Well, let's just find out. How many people got saved at an invitation in a church service? All right. How many people got saved outside of an invitation in a church service? All right. Now, see, here's me. I walked out a bunch of times in church. Never really took for me. Never stuck for me. I got down beside my bed one night about 3.30 in the morning, and I called out to God with all my heart to please save me and forgive me my sins. He changed my life. And you don't have to get saved in a church service. Here's, let, let me tell you, I want to wrap this up quick, but I want to tell you what their process was. In the early church, and you can study this out historically, it's true, and, and, and it's, the information is readily available. 
they weren't giving invitations in churches to get saved. They were coming together in the church services and celebrating and teaching and fellowshipping together. They were worshiping together. As far as the evangelism, what they did is they told everybody, all right, now go out this week and win everybody you can to Jesus. Go out this week and, 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 and lead somebody to Christ. And they would bring them to church with them on Sunday so they could make their public professional faith, so they could stand up and say, this is so-and-so, and so-and-so accepted Jesus and give people an opportunity to give God praise for that. Because the Scripture says if you confess him before men, he'll confess you before his Father which is in heaven. So we need to be involved in evangelism. Evangelism is not an invitation at the end of a sermon. Evangelism is you putting effort into sharing your faith with others. Say share. You got to get involved in sharing your faith. Why? Because people need to be saved. They're not going to save themselves. If they could, they'd already be saved. But they're not. Now, I believe if we invest our lives in these five purposes, we're going to find much more abundant living. I believe if you'll concentrate on discipleship, fellowship, ministry, worship, and evangelism, that your life will take on a higher meaning. As a church, we model these behaviors inside our church, not that they're exclusive to church times, but we model these behaviors. We model worship through singing, bowing, lifting of hands, and music. When uh, the praise and worship team is up here singing, they're not up here performing for you. They're up here worshiping God in front of you, hopefully with you. But I can tell you, you see, worship could be bowing. On bending knee, it could be laying prostrate on your face. It could be lifting your hands. It could be crying. It could be singing. It could be shouting to the Lord. Let me tell you what it can't be. None of that is found in Scripture in relation to worship. But you know what? You know where sadly that is found in every church in America. When people should be worshiping, get involved in what's going on. Take some of this modeling and put it to good use. We model ministry through our servitude. Every time you come to church in this place, you see ministry. Somebody's there to open a door for you. Somebody's there to watch your kids. Somebody's got to put the announcements together. Somebody's got to type, print, fold the bulletins, clean the church, cut the grass. Somebody's got to keep your children. There is ministry going on. We model ministry here. You can get involved in modeling that ministry. If you choose to, we model evangelism by presenting the good news to unsaved people so that they can be saved. I don't, listen, I used to give a long, hard invitation every time we had church. And those that were around back then knew. Uh, if, if nobody got saved on Sunday morning, I'd just go home and cry and, and, and lock myself away in a room and pray and, and, and just beg God uh, to, to save people. But what I've grown to realize is, God don't need me giving some heartfelt appeal for you to get saved. Now, I'm not saying that I won't do it. There are a lot of churches that don't ever have an invitation. But what I am saying, I know that God is able to save those who he's willing to save. Amen? And that you can come to God with or without a church. But we model evangelism by sharing the good news and giving people an opportunity to receive it. That ought to be your lifestyle. We model fellowship by taking time to meet each other, to greet each other. Some people model it big by coming early and hanging out late. Some people model it bigger by coming to men's group, ladies' group, youth, youth events, chili cook-offs, whatever the, the course may be. But some people don't partake in any type of fellowship, and that's why they feel dry and stale because they're not applying these purposes to their life. We model discipleship every time we stand up here and open the Bible and teach from the apostles' doctrine. You're never going to hear any new age, newfangled twist teaching from Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. You, you're not going to leave here thinking, ooh, our church has uncovered some special new thing that, that's just now hitting the earth. Because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. If it's new, it ain't true. We, we're here to declare the age-old truth of the apostles' doctrine that has been accepted and received through church history that the book says what it says and we're not trying to make it warm and fuzzy and fit current society 
Uh, man, I am not mad at any one particular sin because I don't believe any one sin is any worse than another. Churches like to beat up on cigarette smokers and drinkers and give gossipers and gluttons a pass. That's garbage. That's, that's, that's not, every, everybody's got something that they're struggling with. Churches like to beat up on homosexuals and give whoremongers a pass. Now, I don't even want to embarrass your former church, but if, but if I asked how many of y'all came from a church, don't raise your hand, but if I asked how, uh, how many of y'all came from a church where you know that the worship leader was, was, was sexing up every chick in the choir, anybody think we get that? Anybody ever seen a situation like that? Okay, you see that? Uh, we we, we want to we condemn homosexuality and give a free pass on whoremongers. That's not real. But let me say this. All these people claiming real Christianity, if you get asked point blank, is it a sin to be a drunkard? What's the right answer? Yes. The Bible tells you don't be drunk. Okay? That's just reality. Is it a sin to be a murderer? Sure enough, it is. Now, now listen, if you killed somebody, hey, pray ask God to forgive you. You can't bring restoration in that case, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Is it a sin to steal? We say these things easily. This past week or whenever it was, uh, one of the leading Christian singers in the, on the planet was asked, is homosexuality a sin? She almost swallowed her tongue. She said, well, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, Ken said, read Romans. Uh, call Lauren Daigle up and tell her and her million Christian singing followers to, to tell her to read Romans. Um, she said, I, don't, I, don't, I can't say it's a sin because I, I have too many friends that I love who are homosexuality, so I would never say it was a sin. Listen, I have friends that I love that, that have stolen stuff. I will still tell them stealing is a sin. I've stolen stuff, and I love me. <laughs> What's that got to do with if it's a sin or not? And, 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 the, and the Christian church came behind that, and they applauded that. And they, it's time out for condemnation. It's time out. It's, uh, it's past for all that. Listen, nobody talked about condemning nobody. That, that, that TMZ reporter said, do you believe homosexuality is a sin? She should have just been point blank and like, yeah, it is, but I got my own struggles too, so I ain't putting nobody to hell. We don't own a hell to put people in. We're not condemning anybody, but if somebody asks you, is something a sin or not, you ought to have the good common sense to know right from right and wrong from wrong. Is whoremongering a sin? Yeah, you say that openly, and you know you. Let me just make everybody mad. Is stealing the tithes from God a sin? Yes, yeah, sure it is. But only 2% of the church pays the tithe. I'm not talking about condemning anybody for being a homosexuality. I'm not talking about condemning anybody for not paying the tithe. I'm not talking about condemning anybody for murder, as long as you don't murder none of mine. I'm not talking about condemning anybody for not being perfect. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But we're watering stuff down so hard, people, people just trying to get more people to come and don't want to offend anybody, listen, the truth's the truth anyhow. Don't let the truth drag you away from these five purposes. Let the truth draw you in deeper into these five purposes. We model discipleship by teaching the truth of this book. If the truth sounds hard, that don't make us hard for agreeing with it. That just makes us safe. The hard truth is the hard truth. The joyful truth is the joyful truth. The, the hard to understand truth. What, what, what did Peter say about Paul? Peter's like, that. Our, our brother Paul had written things that are hard to understand. He didn't say they weren't true. He's just like, that brother's deep, man. I don't get all that. But listen, we have got to stop placating to the world and realize there's a call of God on our life to a higher level. And these five purposes are what we need to be concentrating on. Uh, as a pastor of this church, I want to help you get connected to God. Uh, we, we got orange T-shirts uh, all over the membership of this church, people wearing orange Abundant Life T-shirts that say get connected on them. And I want to help you connect to God. I want to help you connect to this community. Um, we we got to be involved in putting these things together because that's what God has called us to do. We, we need to come together 
in these five purposes. We need to worship together. Stop judging somebody else's worship. Your pastor, I don't never see so-and-so raise her hands. Man, we got a lot of titles around here. I didn't know we had anybody that was hand checker. <laughs> hand raised checker. That's your, you need a lanyard? We give out lanyards at Abundant Life. You be wearing a lanyard, an orange safety vest. What, what, what do you need to? Listen, don't get involved in how other people worship. Take your worship to a higher level. <laughs> Pastor, I've noticed Brother So-and-So doesn't come to church as regular as he used to. Well, what title do we want to give you? We got lanyards in the office. Don't come to church as much as you think they should. You're you, you the, you the minister of don't come to church as much as they, you think they should. Listen, stop trying to apply truth to other people's lives. Get your life together and watch God bless you. One of the things I really want to see happen, I want us to grow in all five of these areas. But I think one of the big things that the first church had that is uh, really necessary for us is unity. Say unity. The Bible says unity is the place where God commands the blessing. And, and I, I want our church to be a unified church. It's not easy because we set out with a purpose to be multiracial. Uh, we set out with a purpose to be multigenerational. Uh, we set out with a purpose to be multidenominational. And when you've got different people from different backgrounds all coming together in one place, somebody's going to feel like, well, I just, I just need the worship to go higher. Well, join the worship team and take it higher. Wow. Well, well, I, I, I just think that, that there could be more organization. Well, get involved in organization and organize some stuff. We got, we got trash cans. The, the dirt need to be organized out the bottom of them. They need to be lined up in an organized row. We got a shed full of lawn tools. Laying in there sideways, they could use your organizational spirit. Well, I ain't talking about me. I'm talking about y'all. That's what's wrong with you. Christianity is a personal relationship. But I want to see our church grow uh, deeper in fellowship. I believe uh, that as we grow deeper in fellowship, the blessing of God will be deeper on our church. Jesus said, the, the way that the world would know that we follow him is by the way they see us loving each other. You couldn't have been there. Listen, if you came last night and you didn't feel accepted, you need to show up more. If you came last night and you didn't, you didn't smile, you didn't have a good time, you need to show up more, let the people get to know you. Uh, we, we were having a good time, weren't we, Terry? Just hanging out with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Just in, you, heard, you heard, I thought Lou Rawls was in the building. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did have an oh, yeah. Good time. <laughs> you got a voice, brother. I am not mad at you. We, the world will see that love that we have for each other, and it will draw them. Uh, we, we, I, I want us to be a, a friendly church, but I've said for years, more than just being a friendly church, I want us to be a church full of friends. It takes some commonality. We don't have race as, as, as an overriding commonality here. We don't have denominational background as an overriding commonality here. We don't have social class structure as an overriding commonality here. What we do have is one God, one faith, one baptism, one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the same to all who call on him, the Bible says. And, and we need to grow deeper in our fellowship. We need to grow deeper in our unity so we can see God bless us and so the world can see us loving here. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes about fellowship, and then I'm going to be done. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the only way to have a friend is to be one. The scripture says if you want to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly. Here's the sad reality. I know as a pastor, I've been counseling for a lot of time. There are people that come to church and feel like nobody knows them, that they're not they don't feel like they, people think that they're important or care about them. Listen, if, if you want people to know who you are, you got to hang out. you got to stick around. you got to get involved in stuff. I, the, the people who were here last night, everybody knew who they were. Because it, 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 we, had, we had about 50 people here last night. It's the, it's the same 50 that are going to be here Wednesday night. 
Sure enough. And it's the same 50 that are going to be here towards the Sunday night before Christmas. Um, and I want you to get involved in the fellowship at our church. The only way to have a friend is to be one. You reap what you sow. Albert Hubbard said, your friend is the man who knows all about you and still likes you. I promise you this. We offer you this type of friendship at this church. It doesn't matter your deficiency. We're all deficient. It doesn't matter where your struggle is or where you are in your process. We all have a struggle, and we're all in our process. And we, listen, we, man, I, we don't talk about what goes on at Man Up because what, what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. But we've learned some stuff about each other that the average church folk will be like, hmm, I don't know if I want to go to church with him. Now, how is he going to lead me if he, listen. People are all in their process, and I promise you, you can find friendship. You can find the type of friendship where it doesn't matter what we know about you. We're still going to like you because we know that God has called us. Not Listen, I, people just, they conflate words that, that don't run together. People think that they can, well, I can love her without liking her. No, you can't. Love's beyond like. If you dislike them, you can say, I love them in Jesus. I pray for them. Will you, will you pray curses on them? You pray imprecatory prayers on them? Will you pray God crush their back with gravel? No, we got to learn how to like each other. You need to learn how to like you. You need to like yourself. You need to understand God paid a heavy price for you. God sees worth and value in you. And we see worth and value in you. Come, let's grow together. Let's grow together in friendship. That's what it takes for real fellowship. Last, last quote, Mark Twain said, Grief can take care of itself, but to get the full value of joy, you must have somebody to share it with. You can have all the grief you want to alone, and grief will just grow on grief with solitude. But man, when your team wins, you need somebody to chest bump, get a pound, high five, son. you need somebody to talk about it with. When, when, when something great's going on, you need somebody that you can pick up the phone. Listen, there's people in this room right now that do not have someone that they feel like they could pick up the phone and call to share joyful information with. You need to get more involved in this church. You need to come out on Wednesday night, and you, and you need to share your good joy with us on Wednesday night. And let us get to know you because we want to be your friend, and we want to fellowship with you around not your perfection or our perfection. We want to fellowship with you around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One person said, a friend's somebody who walks in when everybody else has walked out. You ever had anybody walk out on you? I have. Lots of times. I've had lots of people walk out on me. That, that, that hurt. That, 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 that cost me lots of pain. But you know what? I've had people who stuck. And there are people in this room who will stick. There are people in this room have, who have proven to me that They'll be a friend no matter what the time, no matter what the need. And I want you to find that. It's one of the great things about church. You can, and some of you don't know this. You haven't experienced this. It's not real to you yet, but I want it to be real to you. You can find people coming to this church that will be there for you day or night. People that will love you. Who, who was it? I, I don't even remember who. I think it was Cheryl was sharing Wednesday night how much she loved the, the ladies group. And these women have shown themselves real to her. Some of y'all don't have that experience that Cheryl has. Some, some of y'all haven't seen that friend, uh, for real friend. We talk about ride or die. Uh, man, please. That, if, I don't trust nobody ride or die if they ain't saved. And mostly even if they are saved. We throw these phrases around. That's my ace. They, she got my she got my back. We keep it one hundred. Well, what happens when a bump when you hit a bump in the road? What happens when hard times fall in? Do you have somebody you can pick up the phone and call in hard times? And you make all spirits say, "I just call the Lord." Uh huh. Well, if you call him the Lord of this book, he said, "Get yourself some friends." He said, fellowship. You reap what you sow. And I promise you, 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 you can find real fellowship here. You don't have to be 
perfect. You don't have to have it all together. And listen, you don't even have to act like you have it all together. We will accept you where you are because we're asking you to do the same for all of us. I believe if we can develop close friendships in this church, we can begin to experience the type of fellowship that they had in the book of Acts. And everything that you ever thought the world needed to see from God, everything you ever thought you wanted to see as a Christian will flow from that. When we walk together in unity, all those other things will flow from heaven into our lives. The church provides people with things they can't find anywhere else in the world. That's why I love coming to church, and I want you to, to stay coming and get involved. The church provides discipleship, and that strengthens my faith. The more I learn about God, the church provides fellowship, and that helps me face life's problems when I have brothers in Christ to strengthen me and to walk alongside me. The church provides ministry. It gives me a place to use my gifts and talents, and it, we want you to use your gifts and talents here. The church provides a biblical example of worship which helps me to focus on God and the church provides a place of evangelism that allows me to fulfill my mission I told you at the start of this year love requires action we need to take massive action in these five areas discipleship, fellowship, ministry worship and evangelism some of these might come more natural to you some of these might be more difficult for you your personality doesn't get you a hall pass on any of those things, well I don't like singing so I'm not good at worship you don't be obedient in singing and to be obedient in worship well I'm an introvert so I don't like evangelism my personality is too shy do, do, be obedient in evangelism and let God use you to be all that he's called you to be to steal, the thief is trying to steal from you trying to kill and destroy things in your life Jesus wants you to have an abundant life wrapped up in these five things and I want you to make a determination as we get ready to go into 2019 that you are going to be more involved in discipleship, more involved in fellowship, more involved in ministry, more involved in worship, and more involved in evangelism because this is what God has called us, saved us, and purposed us to do. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the book of Acts. Lord, I thank you for teaching us what you'd have us to know. Thank you for the example of first century believers, God, who came together and honored you in these five purposes. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our church, use us for your glory in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.